0: Good morning. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and help us sing this song out. Oh,
1: beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties of
2: Thankful to be in the US of A. Yes. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been uh, uh, doing some games, having some fun. And so, guess what? We're going to do another one today, and it is this
3: Toss the
2: tissue. Toss the tissue. Now, we have a champion. And our champion is going to come up, and she's going to, from the 9 o'clock service. Are you in here? There she is. Give her a hand. <laughs> this is our defending champion, and I need two more uh, volunteers who will do it. All right? <laughs> Good, a young man. Let me see how fast you can run. Okay. <laughs> and I need one more. Look at, look at this guy. I think he looks like he's going to. Oh, look. did you see that? She says, uh-uh, he's not going to get me in this game. I need one more. Okay, right there. All right. It's the girls against the guy. Come on up. You think that you can toss a tissue, don't I you? Do. I knew I could a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Colin and I just had a whole conversation in my office about tissues and how important they are. So these tissues are the ones that would scrape your nose down to the bone. Well, I don't think there's a bone there, but uh, so they're real cheap, so we're not wasting anything, right? Okay, so here's, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. Uh, when the buzzer goes off, you're going to take, okay, we're ramping it up for you. Last time you were able to use two hands. You can only use one hand now. No! Oh, it may be how she won the game. All right, see, we're getting the secrets now. I bet she's practiced this. <laughs> I have children. I'm a
4: mom. I know how the tissue game.
2: She knows how, so one-handed, one-handed. And either one. Now I'll let you choose which one. And and when the buzzer goes off, you have to pull one out at a time. And the first one that gets all of the tissues out wins. Is that a complicated, awesome game? So, okay, you look at her. She's serious about this. Yes? Do you have a question? Can I hold the no. Okay. Oh, so we're setting the rules. So the winner gets to set the rules. Okay, no holding the box, one-handed only. Put the other one behind your back, and we're getting ready for the buzzer. Okay, you want to cheer them on a little bit before they start? (laughs) All right, look, he's winding up his fingers. You ready? Ready? show it slow and then we could show it <laughs> that's awesome okay you're done get the stuff off of here it <laughs> Wheel wheeler off okay and uh, look who's coming up here Brad Church now let me tell you about Brad a little bit uh, wow. he is one of our leadership board members but much more than that he is a father of 27 children is that amazing I'm just kidding He's got four, but it might as well be 27, it feels right? It like 27 Right. Oftentimes. So give Brad a hand.
5: <laughs> Good morning. I was going to say welcome and get y'all cheering. Y'all are cheering, so that's great. Um, I've been asked to do the announcement, so... I want you to um, think about when we give to the church what we're really doing. I know they preach a lot of times here on our talk about uh, why we give, but um, let it be known, when if you're new here, if this, you're a visitor, this isn't about you feeling guilty or needing to do that because the Bible says give with a cheerful heart. So all the money that we collect is about reaching people for Christ. So if you call this your church home, if you're a member, um, the easy ways to give, you can download the app. If you have a smartphone and you haven't done that, download the app. It makes it real easy. It has everything from... Um, the Bible, um, like a little digital Bible's on there. It has connections. And if you ever wonder about the songs they sing, it actually has the songs that they sing. So it's really kind of cool on the app, but you can give that way and give them the kiosk, or you just drop it in the bucket as it goes by later on. Um, also, uh, we're going to check in on Facebook. Take out your cell phones. Um, if you have Facebook, hit Facebook. And on the top right, I believe, it says check in. And what that does is it lets... Your circle of friends know, you know, you took the time out of your day to get up on a Sunday on a holiday weekend and come to church, and that may encourage them. So it's not as much about you, it's about those circles of friends that you have socially on your Facebook. So we always encourage that here because we know we're digitally connected through um, social media, especially of those that have Facebook, Um, but it can be LinkedIn or Snapchat or any way you want to link in your friends. So take your cell phones out. We're not going to look bad, like, oh my gosh, they have their cell phone out. Go ahead and push that, do that now, and you can do it throughout the rest of the announcements. If you are a first-time guest here, we have a little table. It's about halfway out um, in the lobby area there. It's about yay big. Uh, I know Rich has been manning that. I'm not sure he's going to be doing that by the 11 o'clock. Um, go out there. We have a gift for you. We want to connect with you and let you know that, hey, we value you as a first-time guest and um, give you a chance to really connect with our church body a little bit more so you can um, dig in deeper and grow spiritually with this body of believers. So get your free gift. Who doesn't like a free gift? Um, Now there's a back-to-basics class that I want to talk to you about. Starting tonight, you don't have to have um, pre-signed up or anything like that. You can just show up. But for the next 12 weeks at 6 p.m., there's going to be a class just digging into God's Word, telling us more about um, what God's Word says about all kinds of topics, from from God to salvation to sanctification. What's kind of cool is one, um, child care is provided, so if you have kids like I did, um, I still do, but they're older now, so I don't have to have child care for them, but you can bring them, and they'll be well taken care of, but at 6 o'clock, you'll come in. It's a standalone um, topic each week, so if you're like, my summer's busy, I'm on vacation, that's okay. Out of the 12 weeks, come to as many as you can. Start at 6 o'clock tonight, and um, let's learn more about what God's Word has to say. All right, that's all I've say. Thanks so much. Thank you,
0: Brad. Everyone doing good? All right, well, we're going to take our tithes and offerings during this next song. So, as those buckets pass by, if you could just stand with us and worship. And, you know, there is a uh, story in 2 Kings chapter 6, it's about the prophet Elisha and his servant. And they wake up one morning, and the servant looks out the window. And he sees this army coming down from the hills. And he's viewing it, and he's like, man, we are surrounded. I have no idea what's about to happen here. And he starts the panic. And he goes to Elisha, the prophet, and he says, what are we going to do? This army is literally surrounding us. And Elisha kind of pauses, and he goes, you don't see things the way that I see them, and he prays to God, and he says, God, open his eyes so that he can truly see, and so God does. God opens the servant's eyes, and behind the enemy, he could see nothing but the Lord's army, nothing but angels surrounding them that outnumbered even the little army that was coming towards them, and you know, I think I, we can kind of relate this to our own lives. How many times do we feel like in life, the pressures of life just surround us? It kind of feels like that wall is caving in a little bit. It kind of feels like, man, like I don't know how I can possibly get out of this. I don't know how I can see anything differently. But I think we all need to become like Elisha, where we ask God, God, open our eyes. And if we did, we would see, man. If our God is for us, what can be against us? Our God is so much bigger than everything that we face. And if God is on our side, then we can overcome and we can conquer anything. And so, man, we're going to declare that this morning that, you know what? We're going to fight our battles in life by looking up to Jesus, by knowing that we are surrounded by him. And so let's just declare that this morning. So as those buckets pass by, let's just stand and let's just worship that this morning.
1: This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. this is how I fight my battle this is how I fight my battles. this is how I fight
0: So confide our battles is with praise. The Bible says for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. So that means that no matter what you're going through in life, it can be a situation or a circumstance that you might not feel like praising. But when you praise, you're declaring victory. Victory and praise go hand in hand. So as you praise and as you worship and as you say, God, I know that you are for me. And you just begin to declare his truth and his promises over your life. And you align your heart with that. Man, something starts to break. Something starts to change. The atmosphere around you changes. And so that's what we're going to do as we continue to worship. We're going to praise. We're just going to choose to put on that garment of praise. And we're just going to lift up that name saying, Jesus, you are my living hope. What you did on the cross has given me hope. And you are alive, you are present, you are in my circumstance, you are in my battle, and in you I have a promised victory because of your victory on the cross. And so let's just worship this morning. Let's put on that garment of praise. Let's lift our voices and let's declare his goodness over your entire life and over your family and over your sphere of influence.
6: See your the for
7: hallelujah. His death has set us free. Amen. Father, we're grateful. Thank you so much, Father, today for the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you today, Lord, that you're not stuffed away in some grave. But Jesus, you're seated at the right hand of the Father, ever ever seating on our behalf. You are our living hope. And we praise your holy name. We thank you so much today, Lord, for your presence here. We thank you, God, that uh, you have chosen to gather here with us this morning in this place. We pray for all those who are worshiping online today. We pray they would sense your spirit even there, wherever they may be, at the beach, in the bedroom, the living room, wherever that might be. God, we pray today, thanking you so much for your death on the cross, Lord. We thank you that you took our place, Lord, and that you died and you rose again, Lord, to set us free, to give us power and life, and God to give us power over death and sin, and we praise you for that today. We pray, Lord, today for anyone that's come in this place today and discouraged, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just wrap your loving arms of love and care around them, Lord. We pray, dear God, today that as Gay brings a, a very sensitive but hope-filled message, Lord, that God, your Holy Spirit, would guide her words, that you would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. And again, Father... We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's say that again, hallelujah. That's a great sound, God bless you. I like that, thank you. You can be
2: seated. Wow, what, I'm just uh, amazed that when they choose the uh, music for uh, um, a message that we're doing, whether it's Jody or, or Rich, how the Holy Spirit just exactly uses all of that to come together and so that's my own personal thing that I've seen God do just in our worship time here together. Well, on June 5th, as many of you do, I got up and I did, I spent time with the Lord and, and then I found my Facebook and scanned through that. We do that, don't we? And on June 5th, I was scanning down through and I saw a post by Bree Boothby and uh, she, Bree, grew up in this church She's in college now. She's almost out, and she's doing an internship in North Carolina. I just love that girl. Her boyfriend lives right next door to me, and so I get to see her every now and then. But she had a post that morning on June 5th, and it said this. I always read her posts. It said, a style icon I've looked up to over the years with my first ever paycheck in middle school I bought a Kate Spade phone case, and I haven't stopped since, so sad, and I thought, what's she talking about, and then I realized another high-profile celebrity had taken their own life, and I looked down at my phone case, and it was a Kate Spade, and then it was only a couple of days later that this was in the news. We begin this evening with the shocking death of a man who touched so many of our lives, a man who seemed to live his own life to the limit. Anthony Bourdain, chef, author, TV show host, he showed us the world, sitting down for a meal with strangers, making them his friends. Last seen a few days ago in France, there he was, shooting a new episode of his show Parts Unknown, and it was
8: there in France that a close friend found him dead of suicide this morning.
2: ABC's Lindsay Davis starts us off tonight.
8: Whether he was on a motorbike in Vietnam or a boat on the Mediterranean, few people have been as effective at demonstrating the power of food and its ability to unite us as Anthony Bourdain. So back in Vietnam,
3: one of my favorite places on earth and uh, all of the things I need for happiness.
8: It appeared to be business as usual. This photo shows Bourdain in France earlier this week working on an upcoming episode. But it was this morning that the 61-year-old was found hanging in a room at this luxury hotel. French officials ruling his death a suicide. His friend, fellow chef Eric Repair, found him. Bourdain's mother Gladys telling the New York Times, Eric told her Anthony had been in a dark mood these past couple of days, but he is absolutely the last person in the world I would have ever dreamed would do something like this. He had everything, she said. Success beyond his wildest dreams, money beyond his wildest dreams tributes are pouring in. Among them, Bourdain's girlfriend, actress Asia Argento, who says she is beyond devastated. Just this week, Bourdain posted a video with Argento and their cinematographer all dancing together in Hong Kong, appearing happy. When President Obama made his historic visit to Vietnam in 2016, he sat down for lunch with Bourdain.
4: All right, you're going to have to, I will walk you through so You're going to have to walk me through this.
8: Today, President Obama tweeted, he taught us about food, but more importantly, about its ability to bring us together, to make us a little less afraid of the unknown. We'll miss him. Early on, Bourdain struggled with and ultimately beat a heroin and cocaine addiction. Despite savoring the sweet taste of success as a chef, author, and TV show host, in a 2016 episode of Parts Unknown, Bourdain opened up about depression.
7: I'd like to be happy. I should be happy. I have you know incredible luck
8: Mm -hmm. i'd like to be able to you know look out the window and say hey life is good and you don't no today bourdain is being remembered for nourishing souls all around the world
1: incredible deal so happy
2: and lindsay davis joins us now live lindsay this is the second high profile suicide this week of course first designer kate spade now anthony bourdain And the CDC is out with alarming new numbers that suicides are dramatically up over the last two decades. But you have some encouraging news tonight. And the encouraging news that ABC reported was that because of the increased awareness of these suicides, that calls were up 25% of people reaching out. And that's exactly what people need to do when they're in a situation like that. Very rarely uh, often, rarely, they, they don't do that. So what would cause two high-profile celebrities to end their life? What was going on inside of them? Supposedly, they had, they had it all. Kate Spade was a multimillionaire. She had a New York City high life, probably homes around the country. And she had a 13-year-old daughter. And everybody was left to ask why. What was going on inside of her heart and her mind that would cause her to bring harm to herself and to leave other people asking those questions? Why? Well, nearly 45,000 Americans 10 years old or older just in 2016, died by suicide. Now, this is a really tough subject, but that troubling statistic can be reversed. ABC reported that day. They reported. There's help. Reach out. If someone you love is in crisis, if it's you, you're not alone. Now, I asked in the last service, and I want to ask here, and if you're willing to, you don't have to, but how many people would raise their hand and say, I know somebody, or somebody close to me, or I know somebody that has taken their life? Look around the room. And there were that many this morning in the nine o'clock. About half of us have been touched by someone, or we've watched uh, someone in the news take their life. Now... Though I've been a mental health professional, I'm licensed by the state of Virginia, I have a private practice, and I've been that for 30 years. And I've worked with lots, probably hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of people with depression and anxiety and other emotional and mindset challenges. I've done that through the years. And though I've been a pastor for 23 years here at Salem Fields, I have seen suicide up close and personal. I've had a lot of experience with it. But I've never done a message in all of those years on suicide until now. With it in the news and those back-to-back suicides and the movie 13 Reasons, adults, you may not know what that is, but you need to know what it is because teenagers are are, are eating this up. There's a series, there was a movie, and it's giving lots of misinformation about suicide. And people are believing it. Young, vulnerable minds that are still developing and forming their thoughts about the world, their thoughts and their feelings, are, are listening to this and believing some truths. Now, people think, oh, we don't want to talk about suicide. Yes, we do. Some people think if you talk about suicide, it plants it in the minds of people. No, it doesn't. Talking about it does not plant it in the mind of anyone. Most people already know all about it. Talking about it is what we need to do. Very rarely do we hear a message in churches on suicide. But I, I sensed that God was directing me now to do this message. I decided it's time. Now, on 4th of July, you know, we watched the fireworks last night, and I've gotten with the program, right? <laughs> it... It might seem like this could tank us, but that's not true. This is a message of hope, and this is a message of truth. And here's what I want you to know and believe this truth. Depression and anxiety can be overcome, period. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. It can be. And we struggle around with it. Now, I watch Late Night. And uh, the only one that I really like is Jimmy Fallon, and sometimes he gets on my nerves, but I have a few laughs with it as well. And the other night, uh, Jared Leto from um, 30 Seconds to Mars. Anybody know who 30 Seconds to Mars? is? probably very few of you, but he was on on, uh, Fallon, and he was, the late night, and he was promoting his most recent album and his video. And he asked the crowd when he came out, he asked the crowd, Who here has ever struggled with anxiety or depression? And the crowd erupted. Mostly young people said, I've struggled with that. So here is 30 Seconds to Mars take on depression and anxiety. Wow, did you feel the chaos in there? That was loud, wasn't it? (laughs) But oftentimes what happens is that's what's going on inside of a person. But you know that nightmare that you have when somebody's chasing you and they're going to catch you and you try to scream and nothing comes out? That's sort of like the silence that goes on. And you know what? We can look at that and we say, "Well, well, I don't have that kind of chaos, but I can tell you we're all on a spectrum. That may be the extreme case, but all of us have had things that are going on inside of us that we struggle with, that we don't know how to get out of, that the same thing keeps happening over and over, and we just get stuck, and we don't know how to get through it, and, and we struggle with that. Well, 30 Seconds to Mars says, is the answer to sell yourself to save your soul? I don't know. Some people do. Some people don't what's the answer to the kind of things that we all deal with, that we all struggle with? There's something in us that says, rescue me, and he's saying, somebody, please help rescue me, but you know what? Other people can't do that for us. It's important to have other people in our life, and it's important to speak out, and it's important to talk about whatever's challenging us, but nobody else can, can do this for us. So what I want to do is, is talk to you about how we process difficult life circumstances. Now, all of us have those. Every single one of us struggle with times when we feel really down and we can't seem to get out of it, or we feel really anxious and, and we don't know what to do with it. And every single one of us have a particular way that we process that. Some people try to avoid it. Some people stuff it down. Some people can talk about it. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you a very, very simple illustration. I just had it in my head and made some circles, and I want to show you every single one of us here. First of all, this is us. Now, we burst onto the scene when we're born, and when I count to three, I want everyone to shout out your birth date, Okay? One, two, three. Wow. Wow. That's pretty awesome. But we all have one, don't we? We heard some louder than others, splashing on the scene louder. And here's what splashed on the scene, the date that you just shouted out. Right there we are. We have a physical body, and then there's biology that's connected to us. That means it's our DNA. That means it's our personality that's set in there. You know, you may be a thinker, you may be a feeler. It's our gender. It's the things that are set in us when we splash on the scene in this world, as we all did. And right at the very core of every human being that's born into this world is a soul. Now, what's a soul? Well, the soul is at the core of who we are, and it's what connects us to eternity, it's the part of mankind that will live on forever. Now some people say, Well, I don't believe that. I had a professor, I was in a doctoral class at George Mason, and, and she was Jewish and, and she said to me after a class one day, she said, Well, I don't believe in eternity. And and I said, Okay, <laughs> because everybody has the right to believe whatever you want. And some people think it's done. And then there are those that believe that that soul will continue on for eternity. And then the part that uh, we also have when we're born is our heart and our mind. And this is what Jesus talks about a lot, our heart and our mind. And it's what we're going to talk about today because it's really all about who we are. And then when we splash on the scene and we say, here we are, world, and we come out and we cry and everybody tends to our needs, what happens next very shortly next, is that we are handed over to imperfect people. Does anyone know a perfect person? No. Uh, we're handed over to imperfect people. And we're, we're, we're born into certain life circumstances. Now, we could have been born in Nigeria. We weren't. Or maybe Mary was. <laughs> we could have been born in India. I wasn't I was born in Greenwood Delaware I didn't choose that my parents didn't choose that it was chosen for me Um, we could have been born into wealth great wealth. we could have been born into poverty we could have been born into a privileged family we could have been born into and handed over into an abusive family All of us have a variety of different life circumstances and imperfect people that the moment that we're born, we are handed over to. Are you with me? Okay, you've got that. Then next, between the ages of zero and 26, especially the ages of zero to six, those are formative years, and we begin to take everything that's happening around us, and we begin to draw some conclusions about those people and those circumstances that we have in our life. And it begins to seep down into our heart, and we begin to draw some conclusions, some accurate, some not, about our world. Now, we do that, develop, minds develop from zero to t- about 26. And at that time, we're pretty set in the way that we're... Operating out our personality, how we're adapting and adjusting and learned how to behave in our behavior, in, in our world. And we develop all kinds of feelings and thoughts. And that's where we live. Those life circumstances, those thoughts and those feelings are really what we're very aware of. We can say, oh man, I feel bad today. Or I feel like I want to Whatever. Or I'm thinking. And what happens is we develop all kinds of feelings and sometimes believe lies. And and we just live that way for quite a, quite a while. We learn how to fear. We learn fear. You realize that, right? We learn fear. We learn our behaviors. We learn guilt, shame. We learn to keep secrets. We learn to hide. We learn to blame. We learn to fight. Last night, the... Uh, Gracie and Jackson were over at my house, and from the time they were born, they've been like two little puppies that are just fighting with each other. If it's not now siblings, 12 and 14, they've got some verbal things going on, uh, not just physical, but we, that's what we learn to do. We, we learn how to adapt, and what happens is those two outer layers become a tangled mixed bag of accurate and inaccurate thoughts and feelings, and they begin to sink deep into our heart and our mind and into our soul. And the heart and the mind is our spirit. That's where our spirit resides. So how do we process all of this? See, what happens when we're, we're doing that is that we begin to, to understand our value or to draw conclusions about how important I am In this world. Some people don't feel very important. Some people don't feel very valued. Other people feel really important. Other people know their value. And we we begin to decide what we feel and think about God. Does he really exist? Does he not? About other people in our life. Did my parents really screw up? Or were they great? And we begin to deny a bunch of stuff. And we begin to kind of put thoughts together. So how do we process all of that? Well, this space right here, that. That's the space where we choose what we're going to do with all that stuff. That's the space of our free will. Even when you're little, you can choose to do whatever you want to do. Now, parents are supposed to put those bumpers in there But somewhere around 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, we begin to say, you know what? I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And we get to choose. That is free will. God God said, you know what? He says exactly what I just said. I love you so much that I'm not going to make you a puppet. I'm going to let you choose to do whatever you want with all of that mixed bag that you have. And right there in that space is where the light of hope goes on or it goes off. We all get there. We all get there. We're all designed exactly the same way. We all have difficult life circumstances. Life gets complicated, it gets hard, it gets confusing, it gets cloudy. All of us have problems in relationships. There's designed to be that way because the conflict is supposed to help you grow together, not apart. That's God's design. And we, we begin to say, you know what, I can't figure this out. And probably all of us here would say, well, you know, I've never been suicidal, but I'll bet you've said, I'd just like to run away. <laughs> Haven't you? Or you say, you know what, I'm ready to go to heaven <laughs> anytime I'm. So we don't say, well, I'm," but we've all had those feelings of being stuck, of having impossible situations, of bringing, bringing uh, to a point where we're saying, I, I just, oh, I, I can't hardly take this anymore. We come to this place, and it's right in there of desperation, now, a lot of us try to do anything we can to avoid that. You know, last week, Chris was here, and her message was on drawing happiness, and she drew happiness. And she talked about the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus when in Matthew 5 when he said, blessed, he, she pointed out, she said, did, did Jesus say blessed are the rich, the famous, and the powerful? No, he said blessed are the desperate. He said blessed are the poor, in spirit, De- blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek and blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. You know why? Because when you get to that desperate place, there's an emptiness. And every single one of us fill that emptiness with something. Do you know what you fill it with? We saw what Anthony Bourdain Filled his with. You see, can we say happiness and we're blessed when we're desperate? Yes. Don't fight that off. It's a place where you get to choose what you're going to fill it with. I'm trying to slow the process of our life way down so we can be really clear about the choices that we have and to think that through. Because you see, in those moments of desperation, we're broken. When we're confused, when we're empty, it's then that that space can get filled. And we get to choose what we're going to fill it with. Things that continue to feed the emptiness and the despair. Well, it depends on what we turn to in those moments you see depression is only a symptom you know you go to the doctor and you don't want the symptoms treated you want whatever it is that's deep within you wherever the the root of that that thing is you you want that to be treated so you can get that taken depression is only a sign that there's something deeper probably some unresolved hurt and pain uh depression i give a simple little Definition for is just simply anger turned on yourself, turned inward. It's not talked about, it's not expressed, and it just gets bigger and bigger and badder and badder and more difficult and more painful and more painful because we really don't understand where that's coming from. And instead, could I have my circle back? Instead, of us going down into the heart and the mind and the soul. We just live in those life circumstances. We just live in those thoughts and those feelings that we have. And then we begin to medicate ourselves because we all want to find relief. And so we find things that will make us feel better. It could be good things like relationships, or it could be career success, or many people choose drugs or medication or or whatever, but anything we find just so those two outer layers will feel better. We turn to those things, but we get a choice. And what happens when we begin to turn to the things that feed the emptiness and feed the despair? Well, the light of our spirit and our soul just goes out. Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But whoever insists on keeping his life will lose it. What profit is there in gaining the whole world when it means forfeiting your soul? I found it interesting. I didn't catch it until just this service when I was watching that. It's it's said that Anthony Bourdain went around the world nourishing souls. Because he had something that he knew could get deep down into a person's soul and making clear choices of what to fill that empty space with. That was his choice. You see, some say suicide is on the rise because we're not doing enough to fight the mental health crisis, and you'll hear that in the news. What are we going to do with the shooters, and what are we going to do with the people that are harming themselves? But it's not necessarily true that that's the answer because the CDC found that more than half of the people who died by suicide didn't have a diagnosed mental health condition because, you see, relationship problems, losses, well, they impact all of us. How do you process the losses that you've had? How do you process those broken and strained relationships that just have been horrendous? All of us struggle with that, everybody. There's substance misuse, there's health problems, there's job, money, legal, housing stress. All of that, yeah, can lead to suicide, but that all leads us as well into a place of I'm stuck and I'm down and I don't know what to do with this and we get stuck. And you know what the common thing is to all of us? Hope begins to fade. Yeah, we need those tools. We need phone numbers to give to people. We need to tell people that people care and that they're not alone. We need to do that. But we need to tell people, reach out and talk. It's really important to do that. But I got to tell you, it is not enough. Because unless that heart and that mind is changed and renewed, nothing will change. And that's why Jesus came. He said what we need is a renewed spirit, a renewed heart, a new heart, and a new mind. If you look at Romans 12 too, I don't have it up here, but you can look it up, Google it. You go to your Bible, go to our app, you can look Romans 12 too, and it will see what we need is a renewed mind and heart. And that is impossible without a supernatural power. Talk about a superhero. We need a supernatural power to seep down into our spirit and our soul and change it from the way that we've always been doing it. So it's not enough, we need changed hearts. People don't necessarily need more therapy, and I told you I believe in that. I've been doing it for a long time. We don't need more phone numbers. We don't need more knowledge. People need hope. People need meaning and purpose for our lives. What's your purpose? I just asked someone in my office just Friday. What would you die for? In Luke it says, you're the light of the world. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. If you're a believer, is your light shining? Are you reflecting that kind of hope to your children that are watching? I had someone just tell me two days ago, I've been in the church for a long time. I don't see it. And so we all need to evaluate this. How are we processing these life circumstances? And do the do the people around us do they they notice where we're turning? And is it making a difference in your life? Or is it just words that are coming out of our mouths? People need hope and they need to see real hope and true hope. We need purpose. We need meaning. Anthony Bourdain's words and life, they were the perfect example of how nothing on this earth, nothing under the sun gives us lasting hope. He had it all. He was famous. And do you know how many young people, I mean, YouTube is the most watched now beyond any other uh, social media and mostly young people are making, taking it to that level and they, they wanna be famous They want somebody to notice. He had it. He was famous, known around the world. I had someone right after the last service say, man, I watched him all the time, and it was a guy. Mostly guys watched him. Said, I watched him all the time, and I could just see the light and the disappointment in his face because he's left with one of my icons. Did that? Anthony Bourdain was an author. He was a TV host. He traveled the world. I love traveling the world. I mean imagine having a job like that. And I noticed in that clip it said, appearing happy. Remember, he was talking about his girlfriend and they were dancing, and it said he appeared happy. We can show that on the outside, can't we? That's why Salem Fields has been a place where you can come, we want you to rip off church face and just be who you are and be honest about who you are and your struggles, that we can talk about that and that we can, find, we can find comfort in one another and we can find the true source of hope and the true source of meaning and purpose. Anthony Bourdain struggled with addiction. He even opened up about his depression. You remember in that clip he said, And these are haunting words to watch, and I've watched them over and over. And he said this. He said, I'd like to be happy. I should be happy. I've had incredible luck. And he did. He was successful. He had had money beyond his wildest dreams. Kate Spade as well. But Anthony Bourdain said, I'd like to look out the window and say, hey, life is good, but I don't. It's the greatest contradiction on the face of this earth, having it all and being so empty. How do we process that? You see, because his soul, his heart, and his mind remained unchanged. He had no hope, and the lights went out. There is a man in the Bible, example, reminds me of Anthony Bourdain. He was a king. He was an author. They say that he was the wisest man that ever lived the face of the earth. His name was Solomon. And Solomon had everything. He had education, wealth, palaces, luxury, women, romance, power, wisdom. He had wisdom. He had pleasures. He had food, wine, dancing. Sounds like Anthony Bourdain, doesn't it? And he found that the more he pursued that, he wrote about it, He said, the more I pursued all of those things that I had, the less fulfilling, the more empty I became. Solomon wrote three books in the Bible. The first one was, couples, if you want to have a night of romance, you uh, just, uh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) You just pull pull out the Song of Solomon. This is for husbands and wives. Pull out the Song of Solomon. Anybody can read that book, though. Uh, but if you want to have a night of romance, just read that together, okay? Uh, that was that book. And then the second one was the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs was a book of rules, but it was a book of wisdom. But, but Solomon even found that even wisdom, you know, a person can be very wise and still be empty. Do you realize that? They can be very wise and still, and he said, so it's not wisdom either. Even though I, I believe in wisdom, he wrote the book on it. And then he wrote Ecclesiastes, and this Ecclesiastes was kind of like what I'm doing in my life right now. It was called kind of a book of, of regrets, where Solomon is becoming an old man, and he's looking back over his life, and he's saying, he's looking at the things that he's done in his life, and he's saying, oh, my, my. You know, I invested my life in all of these things. And what I found at the very first book of Ecclesiastes, in the first verse, he says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Do you hear the frustration? Do you see that video that we had, the chaos that comes from searching for things that last for a little while but fall flat later? And at the end of the book, after he had tried it all, and at the end of his life, he boiled it all down to something very simple. He said, here's my conclusion after all that. Fear God and keep his commands. For God will bring every deed to judgment, including every hidden thing. Most of us here this morning have secrets, things that we don't tell anyone else. But the Bible says that he will bring every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil, to bring it out. Which brought me to a really important dilemma, one of the reasons why I decided to do this message on suicide, because we have a dilemma spiritually with what he says here, something that we have to grapple with when it comes to suicide or even harming ourselves. Some of us may not take our life, but some of us are doing things that truly harm ourselves. And ultimately, when we harm ourselves, we harm other people. One of the greatest lies that a person believes when they take their life is that it will be better for the people that are left. The greatest lie on the face of the earth. Had a woman come to me after this last service, said she had never really allowed herself to cry about her, her sister's suicide and she was broken. And she's carrying the burden of what her sister did. And so we have to grapple with some really deep kinds of questions. And here it is. When a person's last act on this earth brings harm to God's creation, which is a human being, will they be held accountable for their actions? Now, those of us that believe that our soul is connected to eternity the Bible says that there is a place that, that they will go to, a place called hell. And there's an eternity, a place called heaven. And our soul is connected, and we get to choose what we'll do with that. So what will happen to the soul? And it says 80% of the people in the world believe in God, so we have to grapple. What will be their destination? Because in Romans it says, so then each of us will give an account for ourselves to God. You see, we want to believe that when someone does that, that the pain will go away. I'm telling you, we do lots of funerals where there have been suicides and there are family members that try to, to, to deal with their grief by saying, well, they're in a better place now. They're at rest now. They're at peace. We don't know that. We simply do not know that. And the question still remains, what is the point at which we will be held accountable for what choice we've made in that time of desperation? Because we all get to choose what we're going to turn to. We don't know. I had to grapple with this. I've had two of the most precious people in my life take their life. My sister. After three boys, I prayed and prayed and prayed for a little sister. And before she was ever born, and this was before ultrasounds and gender reveals and all of that, I knew it was going to be a girl. I made a quilt that had pink strings on it, and she was born. One of the happiest days of my life. You know what her name was? Joy. Get it? Gay. Joy. It was a happy family. (laughs) And at six years old, she walked in to kiss my father goodbye to go to school, and she was the one that found him dead. Six years old. She had to go out to the bus and tell them that she couldn't go to school that day, and the ambulance came, and everything started turning upside down at that point. It was like a tidal wave hit all of us. By the time my sister was 11, she was a full-blown alcoholic. She couldn't take it. My mother fell into a depression, and my sister would go steal things from a store just to make my mom happy. That's what children do, you know. And she struggled. And she would go out with guys. She was able to sneak out, and she'd be with, Guys that were much older than her. I remember when she was about 12, uh, we found her. She was with an 18-year-old guy. and, And then later on, she went to be in relationships that were extremely abusive. And we would always try to do whatever we could. And it threw our family into turmoil. And I knew my sister had struggled. And then one day, I saw her baptized. I saw her go under that water and come up out and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. He has saved her soul. Another happy, happy day of my life. And then one day, I got the call from my oldest brother, and he said, we don't have joy anymore. It was shocking. And in my grief, I had to process all of that, because I really care about where people spend eternity. I really cared about my sister. And I had to think, you know, God has known her life. I don't know what was going on in her in her heart and her mind. I know that she was baptized, but I also know that she made some choices that really took her down. And what is the point at which God holds us accountable? Here's what I want to tell you. We don't know. We don't know. The scripture clearly says that we'll be held accountable for what we do. But here's what it also says. Therefore, let us not pass judgment. Let us not pass judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to be a stumbling block or an obstacle for other people. Believers, are we reflecting... True hope? Does the world see something that is the light is on and we have hope and purpose and meaning and we're living out of that? And people will say, "I, I want that. Solomon learned to appreciate that life is a gift and that nothing under the sun. You know where the sun is? Nothing under the sun gives hope, meaning, or purpose to life. Just in the week when I decided to do this message, I saw a story on five survivors of suicide. And the first one came on and he said, I've tried to commit suicide several times. And he said, I've found new hope. And he said, my grandmother committed suicide My mother committed suicide, and I attempted it. Can you imagine the turmoil in his mind? He said, I found some new hope. I now do yoga. And I can tell you, it's a great interest, and it's a good thing to do. But it's not lasting hope. At some point, it'll run out on him. There was a mother of four, and she bought into the lie that said, my girls will be a whole lot better off without me, the greatest lie, because nothing is worse for a child than for their parent to take their life. You see those lies, unchecked, unresolved, that seep way deep down into our heart and our mind, the only way that's going to get reversed is by a supernatural power that we are unlock that circle around our heart we choose to allow that circle to be broken around our heart and allow that supernatural power to sink deep in because you know what he'll do he'll help you begin to unravel all the truth and the lies, and to sort it out and to separate it that's what he wants to do he wants to do that for us You see, nothing changes. Our world and the shooters and the suicides will not change until hearts and minds are changed. That's why Jesus came and built his kingdom in the hearts and the minds of people. That's hope. There's a sure way to be rescued, as 30 Seconds to Mars sang. They screamed it out. But I didn't sense that there was much peace there. And here it is. It depends on where we turn when we're in our desperate place. And we all get there. Are we going to turn to our own solutions, try to figure it out, medicate ourselves? Or are we going to turn to the only place that there's hope? And that's Jesus. Jesus. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart, When in your desperate place, you don't know what to do. I've left work the other day and I was riding down the road and I had my 60s music on, my top down, and I was just loving the place. Just talking to Jesus. And I said, wait a minute, turn the music off. And I said, Jesus, you and I are just gonna kind of, just be together. Not going to talk. I'm not going to ask you for anything. Just be together. It was sweet. It was a moment of just being together. Because I decided a long time ago, in my desperate place, every time I get there, that I'll turn to Jesus. There's only one place, there's only one hope and that's Jesus. You see, nothing changes unless our heart and our mind, and we have renewed purpose and renewed meaning, and it's only possible through the resurrected hope. He brings things to life. He untangles that faulty thinking, and he heals that that hurting heart, and he gives us a new spirit, and we get filled. That God-shaped hole in the center of all of us gets filled with God, and he becomes the most important thing in our life, whether we're giving of our finances, it's reason and purpose to go to church, not just to check the box, to do nice and wonderful things for other people, to spend time with him. He becomes the center of everything that we do. Is that what the world is seeing from us believers? Because the light comes on and the hope flows out. I had someone in my office two days ago say, I've grown up in the church. I don't see it. And my heart hurt. And as the scripture says, all I can do is not be a stumbling block and pursue him with all of my heart. I had a 14-year-old girl, a hope-filled girl, She knows Jesus. And she sent me this song. She said, you got to listen to this song. It's simple. It's powerful. It's truthful. It's peaceful. It's hope-filled. It's a message that truly can diffuse those deeply embedded fears of anxiety and those deeply unresolved issues of depression. If in our desperate place, We choose to connect, I mean really connect with hope. And as we play this, the ushers are going to come and hand out a little card. Just for you, you can do whatever you want to do with that. I stick mine in my pocket, put it on my mirror in the morning, whatever. You can do whatever you want to do with it. But I'd really love for this time to be a time just simply of doing what I did in my car the other day, just being in the presence of peace. With all of the chaos that might be going on in the middle of your heart and your mind that you might consider in your desperate place, not to turn to your own solutions, but to turn to hope. Jesus. So as they come, would you just open your heart and your mind to just be here, listen.
4: Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your eternal presence. I am learning to be patient and that you Sometimes I am afraid, and I know that's lacking faith. But I'm beginning to understand that for me, you have a plan. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for you, sins To die, so that I live, and for never giving up, I'm learning every day that I won't always have.
2: of our day today is feel good. We just want to feel good. And so we do quick fixes, relationships, good things, just to kind of cover up all the stuff we don't want to feel. And I can promise you, in your time of desperation, don't avoid that time. Let it happen in your life. Jesus said, blessed are those that will allow that to happen because in those moments, you get to choose what you're going to fill yourself with. Isn't that hopeful? You have a choice. It really is under your control. You can choose your future, your destiny, the quality, young people, of your days when you're my age. You have that in your hands you can choose it by the choices you make in your moments of hurt and pain. And I can promise you, if you choose to turn to hope, if you choose to turn, turn to Jesus, it's not going to feel better for a while because he's going to unravel some of those things, some of those lies that you've been believing, that you've been living out of, and that's not very that's not very pleasant. But you'll get clarity, and you'll get strength, and you'll begin to live in the hope And you'll begin to live and choose things that that build you up and not tear you down or tear other people down. And you will become a healthy, thriving person if you're willing to turn in your moment of desperation to the place that will fill you up with the God's eyes hole. If somebody that you know is hopeless, don't tell them that they need Jesus. Tell them where you find your hope. Okay? Okay? Share that with them because 1 Peter 3.15, one of my favorite verses, says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have when somebody asks. And when they ask, do it with gentleness and respect. So can I tell you where i found hope, where I've found my hope? You see, a hopeless person uh, feels so alone. So isolated, misunderstood. Anybody felt that way? Isolated, alone, and misunderstood. But you see, feelings deceive and fears lie. And so as I was kind of concluding this message, I I thought, you know what? I want to make a list of all of the difficult life circumstances and situations that have happened in my life. And a couple things happened when I was young but 15 was the point that I can go back to that was when my father died and then my mother went into a deep depression and then my sister's alcoholism and then I lost a baby and then I lost another baby and then I lost the opportunity to have any more babies and so I had one child and I was so thankful and so grateful for her because I got to have one child and it got me through and I turned to Jesus through all of that and then there was betrayal and then there was um, my, my mother died and my, my brother died and my other brother died and my sister died. I'm telling you, the list got to the point where it would take anyone down. But I decided, you know, Buddy asked me, he said, was that discouraging when you did that? And I said, no. No it gave me the greatest hope, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm, I have my sanity. I have hope. I've gotten through every one of that because in my point of desperation, and I can tell you, I got on my knees and I cried out to God and I didn't know which way to turn, and I felt like no one understood in every one of those things. But at 26 years old, I decided that every time that happens in that circle, every time I will turn to Jesus. And so my life, my sanity, my hope is a living testimony of his power that you can overcome depression, anxiety, and anything that tries to take you down, period, drop the mic. One last thing, there is always hope, because I got to tell you another thing, when I turn to him, I know him, I'm connected to God, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I know he loves me, I know he values me, and in those times when I felt alone, my feelings were deceiving me, because you know what? Since I was a child I have never been alone You are not alone There is always hope and his name is That's all I wanted to end up with A living testimony and the name of He is our hope I have purpose I have meaning Because I want my life until the last breath, the last breath that I breathe. And God will choose that for me, not me. My last breath. I'll have a smile on my face because I know my life has had purpose and meaning. Because my God-shaped hole has been filled with, let's stand together and let's worship.
1: try to pry, you try to hide it away so that those One more day He will make a way Let him show you how You can lay this down you you're not alone You're not alone
7: Hallelujah There is hope is hope it's been a great message of hope when I was 17 years old my brother showed up at work and told me my grandfather had committed suicide that was a dark day in my life and uh, but I gotta tell you I have hope today and I have hope that Jesus Christ is is a wonderful God he's a caring God and I just trust him into God's almighty arms of love and care and hope for the best right glad that you're here today hallelujah praise the lord we have hope yes we do that's a great great message and i'm so appreciative of that message i'm appreciative that gays willing to tackle those hard uh, topics and do it with uh, courage and grace and wisdom and i appreciate you being here and those online today if you don't know jesus that's where we find real hope and if you'd like to know more about having a relationship with him uh, back at the table i'll be there at the end of the service and you want to talk about how to have a relationship with him I'd love to speak to you about that. Uh, Just real quickly, we have, uh, and then Rich is going to pray for us. We have hot dogs out there as you leave. That's the breakfast of champions. (laughs) If you're a first-time guest, don't forget to pick up your gift today and uh, uh, tell somebody. If this message has touched your life and you found some hope, there are many, many people in your life that need this message. And Wednesday night, we'll rebroadcast it at 7 o'clock. Please tell that person how important it is and how great this message is. It's a message of hope. And ask them to tune in to be a part of that. And next week, uh, we'll be speaking, I'll be speaking on uh, bottom of the ninth, two outs. And so I hope you'll bring a guest and come back next week. Have a great 4th of July. And uh, don't uh, mess your fingers up with bad firecrackers, okay? God bless you.
0: Father, we just thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I believe that hearts are changed. God, I believe the eyes are open, Lord, to the true hope that is found in you, Jesus. And so we just thank you so much, God. God, I pray that you'll be with every single person here as they leave this room. God, let us not forget this time together, but let us just continue to just yield to your spirit, Father. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you all. See you right back here next weekend. Have a great week. Oh!